On this episode, we discuss Kidnap. Known in my house as Catch That Kid. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey there, Dan. I'm Stuart Wellington. Hey, Dan. Hey, Stu. Nice to meet you for the first time ever. My name is Elliot Checks Card Kalen. Well, welcome How are to, you? Welcome wow, to the okay. Flophouse, Elliot. Good to meet you. What what do you you know, what line of work are you in? Uh well, you know, I just ride these here rails, seeing what kind of adventures and shenanigans I can get into, maybe saving lives and maybe breaking hearts. Mm. Uh I don't know. I guess you'd call me like kind of a uh a uh, traveling uh, van uh, vagabond, you know, uh-huh. just a, a man Woolbury? of rags and patches. Yeah. What? A traveling Woolbury. Yeah, you'd call me a traveling Woolbury. I'm an incredibly rich and famous rock star who's pretending to be like a hobo. <laughs> okay. Wait, for fun. wait, Jeff Lynn is incredibly rich and famous? They don't get richer or more <laughs> famous, sir. Well, those are the kind of great bits you can find on the Flophouse, which you're listening to right now. <laughs> and if you want to support the Flophouse, boy, howdy, is this the time of year to do it? Because... This is the Max Fun Drive. Actually, technically, the Max Fun Drive will start one day after this drops, but uh, okay. <laughs> this is our Max Fun Drive episode. The, the cops don't have to drag you away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know whether like I don't know whether people get the donor bonus content if they donate too early. I don't know what that. Nor thing. do they get the think, boner donus content. <laughs> boner oh, donus I was going to say the same thing, Stu. <laughs> you you beat me. Uh, so, Dan, I, I want to remind people, later on we'll be talking more about the Max Fun Pledge Drive, which is yeah. when you, the listener, can help us, the podcasters, stay in business and keep our show going so you can keep listening to it and help out other Max Fun shows, but mostly us. Uh, but I want to remind everyone first, let's not Max Fun Pledge Drive angry. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, uh, so. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. Yeah, Somebody th- had to say it, and I'm glad I was the one who did it. This is uh, the best time of year to uh, sign on as a member, or if you're already a member, upgrade your membership. Think about that, maybe. Um, we'll talk about it more later. For yes. now, if you if we're already if you're already like I, I can't wait, just go to maximumfund.org/slash/donate. But mm-hmm. otherwise, stay tuned, and we'll tell you more about what you can get as a donor. Otherwise, you just have to sit and listen to our usual garbage, which begins now. Okay, well. This is a podcast where we uh, watch a bad movie and we talk about it. Uh-huh. But, but wait, Dan, we watch Kidnap starring Halle Berry. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But <laughs> I don't know if this fits our podcast. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Could be, guys. Uh, I don't know. I had a kind of a good time, but uh, let's 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 not kind spoil. of a good time. Raves Dan McCoy. Now, <laughs> guys, do you think this movie should have actually just been called Baby Driver? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, the baby, baby is not driving. Yeah. There's no baby. It's like a nine-year-old kid. I mean, it's a person who drives a baby around. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, again, it's it's a grown child, like in the seven to nine range, seven of nine, if you will. Uh, it's not a baby. I mean, she describes her child as being six years old, and I think, really. to, oh, six. to be right. honest, I mean, I'm not a mother, guys. I know that comes as a shock. <laughs> okay. Not yet. I'm not a mother. Not but, yet, anyway. You know, I think it would be hard for me to admit that my child isn't my baby anymore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, around the time that a that a 
creep in a jean jacket steals your kid away, that's when they're no longer your baby anymore. <laughs> that's when they've grown up and it's time for them to leave the nest and go to a, a scary shack in a swamp somewhere. Yeah. Hey, a, guys. A decoy jean jacket. Now, <laughs> now should, we go, should we talk about what happens in this movie? I think that the, the listener almost expects it at this point. Yeah, so the movie begins, guys, and I want to paint you a picture of the Wellington household. Okay. So I've, I've, st- I've started the movie, and then I say, Alexa, pause. Okay. I told you to start the movie Kidnap, not a demo reel of an animation studio's uh, thing just running through different production company <laughs> logos. Yeah, Alexa like goes, also notice. <laughs> Alexa goes, Stuart, but this is the movie Kidnap. And I go, no. My first note on Kidnap in my notes is so many production logos. <laughs> I, yeah, believe, uh, I believe this movie uh, sat on the shelf for a few years. Uh, like an elf. Yeah. Halle Berry was one of the producers on this. I guess this was her like trying to move into the Liam Neeson taken you know, phase of her career. But uh, it, it took a while for this to get distributed. And I wonder mm-hmm. whether that has anything to do with the production company uh, Surplus. Yeah, I'm guessing one ran out of money and then another one picked up the ball. And yeah. Like a relay race. Yeah, a real race. relay race. Yeah. It was a real production bucket brigade. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to put out the fire we had in our hearts for a movie like Kidnap. <laughs> now, uh, the movie opens up where? That's right. So the first <laughs> New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> uh, but the first thing we see is we see a lot of home movie footage of a baby growing up to be a boy with voiceover of Halle Berry being like, oh, so oh, yeah, you can do it. Oh, okay, yeah, come over here. Oh, so sweet. This is some real boyhood shit right here. I was like, am I watching boyhood? What's going on? I thought I was watching Kidnap. To be a fly on the wall in those ADR sessions. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say there was, uh, this is when the movie started tugging my heartstrings, purely because I also have experienced watching a boy growing up and getting older, starting what, as a like baby. like in a movie? What the hell you say? <laughs> like in a movie so like, like watching like watching dj dj tanner grow up wait that's a girl uh dj roseanne's kid grow up uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah dan jr uh, yeah <laughs> that's what dj uh, fuck that's what dj stands it's for like and the weirdest the end of the usual suspects the, over here <laughs> the weird thing is that's what dj tanner's name stood for too dan jr <laughs> there's not even a dan in that family danny tanner <laughs> oh but wait but then why would he name it wait hold on a second yeah i guess danny tanner is the dan of that is the dad right <laughs> yeah uh well, dan this here's a question i have house talk i guess dan and roseanne. roseanne dan did you name yourself dan after all the sitcom dads you have seen like dan connor and danny tanner well yes like most people i named myself elliot <laughs> That was uh, like Prince and David Bowie. Uh, were yeah. they born with those names? No. Yeah. So Elton John, when, Michael Caine. When Dan was a small child, his father set out a ball, a sword and the name Dan and was like, <laughs> you have to make a choice. Yeah, I've been regretting that choice for my whole life. Yeah. If you choose the sword, it means you will try to you will try to overthrow me and then I will have you executed. If you choose the ball, you'll be the sports loving son I've always wanted. And if you choose Dan, it tells us nothing. <laughs> yeah, it just comes along with a lot of sighing. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to not make a choice, you stuck your hand in the hot coals and immediately put it in your mouth and burned your tongue. And that's why you can't talk good now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks for my origin story. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, a lot yeah. of... A lot of mythology today, guys. 
what what's going on? So is it all home so movies? We, what the fuck is this movie about? No, we we established that Halle Berry is a mother and she has a son named Frankie. Uh-huh. He's about six. And uh, she's a waitress. She's a real sassy waitress, always being very sassy, especially to the very bitchy, skinny white girl who is trying to challenge her, I guess, on what's available at the, on the menu because I mean, they don't have the kind a, of milk that she likes. She's a terrible customer. <laughs> she's a bad customer. They say the customer's always right. In this case, they're wrong. Yeah, I mean, this is a retail. I feel like in a <laughs> food and beverage situation, you're dealing with pe- the customer only sometimes being right. Yeah. Uh, why is that? Why is that different? Uh, you would think in retail the customer would be right less often because they're buying prepackaged items that nothing can be changed about it. Whereas in food service, you can change you know what you're making because it's all on the fly, rendered in 3D in the moment. Uh, well, I guess maybe it's because most of the time uh, when I'm dealing with customers, uh, they're usually drinking, and <laughs> I mean at that point their judgment is suspect. Yeah, that's true. Drinking does lower the level of rightness you but can expect. But the weird thing is, I'm also usually drinking, so mm-hmm. hmm, eye of the beholder, Thrill, you know? Yeah, Mobius strip. <laughs> but you're just doing that to level the playing field, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, if I weren't drunk, I would just be operating at such a high level of intellectual <laughs> stuff. <laughs> intellectual <laughs> stuff. You're like, the, 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 the customer comes up to you and is like, let me tell you something. And you go, hold on. Before I best you handily in mental combat, <laughs> allow me to handicap myself to make this a fair fight. Mm-hmm. And then you just chug, what, like a whole bottle of vodka? Mm-hmm. Uh, Harrison Bergeron brand vodka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Halle Berry is, is a waitress. Uh, her The person who's supposed to relieve her for her shift didn't show up. Uh-oh, so her son's with her. But then they do show up, so she leaves. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, much of a plot. <laughs> and uh, so here's the thing I'm going to tell you about this movie. The first 15 minutes, I was like, this is going to be a pretty bad movie. And then after, I feel like that 15 minutes was not representative of the whole thing. Because uh, we find out that uh, Halle Berry's divorced. Her ex-husband's new girlfriend is a med student. Mm-hmm. Clearly he's moved up in the world because she's just a waitress. Uh, Halle Berry takes her son to one of those amusement parks that are in the movies where everything's kind of sinister and yeah. you know that something bad's going to happen. Know, you know the Punisher's family's about to get shot There's to pieces. One, <laughs> <laughs> There's one dude that asks her about her kid who is so stilted and creepy like when they're sitting on a on a bench together that I'm like, this can't be the bad guy in the movie because yeah. it's, <laughs> it's too, it's too obvious. Like, this guy's either the bad guy or he's the bass player in a Sticks cover band that's about to go on. <laughs> Maybe he's the bad – he could be the bad guy from another movie who just happened to wander into this movie briefly and then left. It, I think if we see a, a Neil Breen movie – yeah. And there's a scene that inexplicably has Halle Berry in it because he was shooting a movie at that moment too. Yeah. And that guy was a character in his movie who was sitting on that bench. Then I'll be like, oh, I get it. Okay, if, these movies got tangled up. If that guy was wearing a suit, he would be message. Uh, he would be managing a pro wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> but it was you expected any minute this guy. You're like, oh, this guy has creep written all over him. He's so weird and off and doesn't seem like a. He's asking her about her about her son, and then mm-hmm. he just kind of leaves and you're like okay that was in a, in a weird way it's the most off-putting scene in the movie because yes. you're expecting something and it never happens yeah that, that's the that's the thing you think about at like hours after the movie when you're lying in bed and you're like <laughs> mentally cataloging your day yeah and then you and uh you turn next to you and that guy is in bed next to you and you go ah and you wake up and go 
oh, it's just a dream. And then you turn over and he's still in bed with you and you go, ah. <laughs> he gets and Maybe you wake up that time too. You wake up that time and you're on the set of the Bob Newhart show. <laughs> and uh, and Suzanne Blachette like, is like, what's wrong, Bob? And you're like, I traveled back in time and I'm Bob Newhart now. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I got a bunch of good years. Honestly, still ahead who of would me. not want to be? Yeah, who would not want to be Bob Newhart at the height of his success? Come on. Well, you say you go back in time, but I think actually when you incept somebody that deeply, yeah. when you keep going deeper and deeper, <laughs> time just goes super duper slow. Now, that's true. That's you, true. According to an academic text I once watched. Yeah. Now the listener might think that we're wasting a lot of time this time around, but there's not like the plot I would call in this movie is is breezy and thin. Yes, like, this is a movie that is almost entirely car chase. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which is not – and not in a bad way. It's So, so, well, so let's for a little just, while, so, I was confused because the movie was trying to make me believe that Halle Berry's son is named Marco. Okay. But it is not. It, it, they were just playing the game Marco Polo, which is something that you normally do with a kid in an amusement park. And then he gets snatched. It's something snatched. you normally do in water, but she does it on land. And mm-hmm. so that's how you know she's like a quirky mom. Yeah. Uh, and the kid talks into a weird robot. And that's great because that weird robot later records his kidnapper. <laughs> now, this is, now this is a toy. This is like a toy phone in the shape of a robot. It's not like R2-D2 is not wandering around the, the amusement park. We're not in the future. It's not – the robot never says to Halle Berry like follow me if you want to live. None that of robot that stuff. never accidentally gets on a burger grill and gets cheese put on it like it's a hamburger. <laughs> because there oh, was an opportunity. Maybe- the movie began in a diner. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's one of my top four robot movie moments, I think, <laughs> is when the battery's not included, robot gets cheese put on him. Now, that's what I call an impossible burger. Hey, guys, <laughs> have you ever had one of those? <laughs> I haven't, but now that I live in L.A., everyone asks me about having one all the time. Well, you should just direct their attention to that scene. You should just send them a gif of that <laughs> moment and uh, batteries not included. Say, so now this is what Stuart calls an impossible <laughs> burger. So I'm not going to steal the joke from you. Yeah, I'm thanks give you for giving credit. credit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not some Twitter aggregator. I want to give credit where credit's due. Anyway, let me tell you this joke I came up with. It's about this baseball team, and the baseball players have some pretty crazy names. <laughs> I invented it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. so so uh, she she gets a call from her her lawyer and says to her son, "Hold on, I'll be right back." Uh, her ex husband wants primary custody, and she Hallie walks away from her son to take the call. Now she should just save that call for later. It's a call from her her lawyer is only going to upset her. This is supposed to be her time with her son. So and it's, like it's, I know in this connected world, it's hard to let go. And this is right after her son's like, "Mom, can I go get my face painted?" And she's like. No, after this song, like it feels like one of those like uh, jazz songs that's just never going to end. <laughs> well, that's what she knows. She doesn't want to go get his face painted because it costs like ten dollars. Yeah. So she's like, oh, after this song. And she knows this is a jam band that's just going to keep going until they fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. By, by the time the song's done, he's going to have a full beard and doesn't want to get face paint on it. The, the performers they're listening to it reminded me of there's a type of like amusement park or carnival performer where it's like you want to take them aside as a parent and be like, you realize that what you're doing could be like 10 times less creepy and scary, right? Like if you didn't wear that makeup or dress up in those costumes, I know you're trying to have fun and I appreciate that. But like this could be just like a fun circus musical number if you weren't like a weirdo clown monster. I guess maybe I'm projecting too much about a uh, a small circus that I saw in Northern California yeah. that had some amazing acts but between every act was interspersed a video where this weird gravelly voiced French clown talked about 
uh, like the spirit of life and love and destiny and awesome. how we how we kill those things in our soul when we don't feel joy. <laughs> and it felt like it felt like between every there was like a juggler. Oh, that was great. Okay, now here's a video from someone who kidnapped somebody I loved and is like putting me on a weird poetic game of cat and mouse. Okay, now a tightrope walker. That was fun. Oh, now it's video from the kidnapper again. Again, what are his ransom demands? Oh, that I feel joy in my heart. Okay, that's difficult when there's like a zombie clown monster threatening me through videotape. It was, uh, let me just say this. Circuses, you don't have to be poetic. It's okay. This isn't Europe. End of PSA. That was my public service announcement. Oh, cool. Uh, so the kid gets kidnapped, right? We, do we talk about that? So, oh yeah, (laughs) she comes, she, she, she comes back and her, and Frankie is gone and she captures, catches just a glimpse of Frankie being dragged into a car. This is after, this is after an, a older woman gives voice to my question. Is his name Frankie or Marco? (laughs) (laughs) Cause she's going, she's going Frankie, Marco, Marco, Frankie. And Mm -hmm. a woman does say, is his name Frankie or Marco? And she's just like, whatever. And runs away. (laughs) I mean, it is confusing. If you're uh, trying to find a kid that's been kidnapped, like you do want to be absolutely clear about the parameters uh, of what's going on. Yeah. And also, well, it's, it's kind of a life is beautiful type thing. She doesn't want Frankie to get too upset. So she continues the Marco game. And I imagine, I imagine in life is beautiful. Some of the other concentration camp inmates, uh, we're seeing Roberto Benigni joking around and we're like, wait a second, is this, is this a game or are we actually being, is this a genocide? Cause I'm being confused <laughs> right now. Like Roberto, th- you're really messing with my head right now. Cause it's not a fun game. I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> It's not a game I signed up for, as I do with most games. Mm-hmm. Is this like, like the or game this? with Michael Douglas? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I think they're probably just assuming it's that sharp, cutting level of dark satire that's common in Europe, but not so much in America. Exactly. Don't want it. No. Americans like things straightforward. Make my circus happy. Make my cutting satire not, not, not exist. Don't even do it. Okay, so Halle Berry is like, she catches a glimpse of the car uh, which is kind of like an aging, rundown what sports car or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's a hatchback. Mm-hmm. It's a ha- yeah, and uh, without a license like, plate. She, without a license plate, and she gets into her minivan. Wait, you got to <laughs> give. This is the most. I mean, this is second billing character here. This is her 2011 uh, Chrysler Town and Country minivan. And if there's a better, uh-huh. if there's a better ad for this town and country minivan, I can't think of it because this thing has super pickup. <laughs> it is able it to handles take like a this, dream. Yeah, it accelerates back. amazingly. The yeah. one thing, the one thing about this thing that, that it's like, well, the the funny thing about this movie is that whenever she accelerates, we see her her speed speedometer go up to like forty. It always is. It's always centered around the forty miles, and I'm like, that's not that fast. Like this, is, it always starts. You're not like impressing 20. me by showing me that she's going forty miles an hour. Yeah, it always starts at like 20, and you're like, you're on the highway. You're going only 20 (laughs) miles an hour. Like, this would impress me maybe if you were driving in a school zone when children were present. But like, not. But that's the problem, Elliot. The the child is not present. Yeah, that's true. Just like the bumper sticker reads almost mockingly on the back of her minivan, her, (laughs) my mistake, Chrysler Town and Country minivan. Uh, that it, it reads baby on board when we all know the baby is not on board. <laughs> no, the, the baby is on board another car. Yeah. Uh, so she goes on a car chase, and now this car chase, this is the, the heart of the movie. And by the heart, I mean the body of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because most of this – and I have to admit, guys, let me just pull back the curtain early. By the, by the moment she got in her car and was driving after this car, this movie 
had me and like I was feeling genuinely tense and worried like they do such a good job especially with the early part of this car chase of her keeping up with this car but keep constantly almost losing it yeah but I was like I was like I was literally and this is I'm watching this while I'm doing the dishes on an iPad and my response to it was literally like hurry up you're gonna lose your kid get that car <laughs> like come on what are you doing yeah like, it's so I I was so tapped into this primal like need to catch up, you know? Yeah. I was like arguing with her on like (laughs) while she was driving, like, no, no, just ram it. Like I was like (laughs) trying to give advice. (laughs) My, uh, I I was watching this with Charlene last night and she, uh, she had been like falling asleep to the episode of Jessica Jones. We were watching and I'm like, Hey, you want to watch a movie at 11 o'clock at night? (laughs) And she's like, oh, okay, make me some coffee. And by the time we started, she was like bolt upright the whole time. <laughs> this is like, I don't remember the name of the director or the editor or anything, but like this is a writ, like this is, at times, I almost feel like it's like Ronin level car chase stuff. Wow. Where, where they're like, they're really, like it felt very, there was a real sense of like place and reality. And even just, there's a part where, the car in front of her, the kidnappers, they just start throwing stuff out the back window yeah, yeah, of their yeah. hatchback to get in her way. And I was like, no, don't do that. It was, <laughs> there's a part where – and Halle Berry is so intent. There's a scene where she's like praying to God during the – my note is she prays to God during the chase, but it only helps a little. Like, she, <laughs> she, like, <laughs> well, she asks for like one thing. She asks for yeah. like her not to lose the car. She doesn't ask for her child back, which is like – I feel like that's the larger issue that maybe she should have just gone for that. She should have shot the well, moon. I think, I think she was – Yeah. I think she was worried that she would say to God, this is my scenario that I'm worried – I think she was worried about. God, please, I want my baby back. And then all God's going to think is – I want my baby back, baby yeah. back, baby yeah, back. I want my baby back, baby head, back. Chilies, yeah. baby. And then God, for millennia, is going to have that song stuck in his head, and he's going to be like, "Damn you, humanity!" And yeah. he'll just he'll he'll somehow arrange it that the worst possible person is elected president of the United States, which, uh-huh. as we know, could never happen. But he'll arrange it that like the ten unlikely things that could never happen altogether all happen together in one year, mm-hmm. and just like the worst person becomes president yeah. and launches a nuclear war. That's the kind of thing that would happen if Halle Berry had said, "I want my baby back." Yeah, I think Elliot. <laughs> yeah, fair. I think that. I mean, that's pretty tight. That's a that makes a lot airtight. of airtight. Yeah, airtight. Now it it sounds like at certain point times like they're trying to plant the idea that Halle Berry is not actually sure this is happening. Like maybe she's crazy, but then they kind of, they abandon any hint of that pretty quickly, which I was glad about. And for the, for those of you guys listening at home that haven't watched kidnap, what are you doing? Go watch kidnap. But, um, <laughs> she, uh, she very early, you're probably asking, why doesn't she just use her cell phone? Well, her cell phone died because she didn't charge it. So, guys, make sure you carry an extra battery pack. Uh, and also, then she dropped it in the street. Yeah, I love how they double say, up yeah, on it. it. <laughs> They're like, it's, it's, it's not enough that the battery's dead. She has to drop it, too. Well, and, also, and when she drops it, the movie is like, boom. And, like, the movie is saying, like, hey, ahead of time, viewer, I know what you're going to say should be the solution to this. Well, guess what? She can't do it. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, have you, have you dropped your phone on concrete? I feel like that sound always <laughs> goes in my head when I do that. <laughs> You're just like, no, you have to, this actually the funny, this is, if this movie had gotten famous, here's the sketch I would have pitched at SNL is that she's chasing after her son and her phone 
drops and smashes and she goes, no. And then she drives to the Apple store and is like, <laughs> okay, do I really need like the X? It seems so expensive. And like she's just so much more concerned with getting a new phone than with ca- getting her son back. No, for some reason I thought your your sketch idea would be like then she pulls out a second phone that she had on her and then she drops that one. <laughs> and then she pulls out like an old rotary phone and drops that on the ground. And she's like, no, why? That's a, that one, that's a pretty good silly stuff. Mine had more of a comment about consumerism, but yours is good too. Yeah. I love later on when she gets picked up by like a weird old guy uh, and she's like, hey, I need to use your phone. And he's like, I don't have a phone. I got a radio though, but you only get reception over there. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, – so anyway, uh, she's chasing after them. They threaten her son until she – lets them drive away but she catches up with them again she hears on the radio that police are looking for her car like she's trying to cause mayhem at a certain point so that the police will will be looking for her so she can tell them her son is kidnapped uh she finds the recorder that little robot toy frankie was playing with and she hears the recording of this woman convincing frankie to come along with her because her mom's looking for her for him which doesn't actually add like any new information to the situation like she's like it's not like she's like oh my god he got kidnapped (laughs) well it's it's it tells you you know that there's a woman involved because it turns out the kidnappers are a man and a woman and they are like such this is like even this takes place in new orleans but the man is basically florida man and (laughs) they and the woman is florida woman i guess like they're they're like this exactly the like scraggly denim jacket wearing people you expect to be kidnapping children in the bayou (laughs) well there's there's a certain i feel like there's a fair amount of menace at least in the woman like there's something like very much so like so dead-eyed about this actress that she's she's great and it when she later on when she walks up to the car and she's like oh oh it's it's pretty scary that was the first time we meet her yeah so so uh they oh so before that happens uh Halle Berry tries to flag down a motorcycle cop, and the motorcycle cop's like, you're speeding, slow down, and she's shouting out the window, my son was kidnapped, and he's like, what? Because nobody can ever hear her. Yeah. And then, so he's he's like, pull over, and she's like, my son was kidnapped, what? Pull over. And then the bad guys slam the motorcycle cop up against Halle Berry's van with their car and crush him to death, especially, essentially. And like, it's like, whoa, I didn't expect that to happen, that was crazy. Yeah, I mean... It's between a speeding car and the most durable vehicle in the world, a 2011 Chrysler Town and Country. I mean, that's when the safety standards that you buy that car for really become a problem. Yeah, because it's that's too fair. safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Halle Berry walks away without a scratch. I do. Ex- uh, I do expect at the end of the movie when everything is resolved, like I want to see the epilogue to the movie where they're like arresting Halle Berry, like. You were really brave, but you caused a lot of mayhem along the way, like and like and and killed multiple people. Yes. But so uh, there's a face off with the kidnappers. The bad guy has a knife or something. She throws her her purse her her pocketbook, I would call it, mm-hmm. at him uh, or her wallet. But he doesn't want it. And then she gets back in her car, and that's when the wife of the kid of the man kidnapper comes up. And like Stuart said, like I don't just know, is there a relationship? Coming- super well defined i mean they could just definitely a romantic relationship okay that's fair i know you know what maybe they are brother and sister you're right i i I was being very heteronormative Mm -hmm. maybe that's not the case maybe Maybe they're they're actually not in a romantic relationship maybe they're brother and sister who are in a romantic relationship together it's the bayou who knows they could be doing whatever i mean uh, that's a little classist dan (laughs) no no but they're they're painted as i mean the movie is classist (laughs) they're they're painted as like swamp trash (laughs) like that like they might as well have like a shirt that says that (laughs) 
So, so like Stuart, there's no yeah. She might well have a shirt with an arrow that says like I'm with stupid because he's my brother and my lover. <laughs> but here's here, Stuart. These are people who have never done something you and I have done many times, which is pour a two liter bottle of soda into a cup and then transfer <laughs> that soda to our mouths. <laughs> These people have only ever taken the soda directly from the bottle into the mouth without a cup as a middleman in between. That's the people we're dealing with here. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, all their cups are probably sitting in an unattached dryer unit that's just sitting in the hallway of their Texas Chainsaw Massacre home. Yeah. So uh, this woman shows up, and like Stuart says, there's just something so, like, she is, the actress playing this character, she's playing, like, this pulpy, like, backwoods villain character and she does she's so good because she's so she seems so dead to the world like she has no whatever whatever vulnerable part of her died a long time ago and was replaced by just like you know whatever it takes to survive in the swamp you know Mm -hmm. like her she saw her daddy get eaten by a gator when she was two and since then she's been in trouble you know her soul's filled with like crawdad parts (laughs) (laughs) and and child tears it's just gumbo and remoulade. That's all that's in there. But uh, she is when she first shows up that and she like leans into the window of Halle Berry's car. That was the like or no, she knocks on the window. I guess yeah. like that was the scariest moment of the whole whole movie for me. Uh, but anyway, she says, look, do you have ten thousand dollars? Because we'll give this kid back to you for ten thousand dollars. My my boyfriend slash husband slash brother Jimbo up there is going to drive your son. I'm going to get in your car. We're going to drive to a bank. We're going to get out $10,000, and then you can have your son back. And Halle Berry's like, oh, okay. And Halle Berry lets her into her car, and she almost immediately tries to beat Halle Berry up. <laughs> yeah. Tries to strangle her in the car. Which is a mistake, because Halle Berry's in her home fucking turf, dude. When you're yeah, a, town and country. When you're an owner of a 2011 Chrysler town and country. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when somebody, like, welcome to my web, said the spider to the country person. Yeah, because, well, she's saved by the... <laughs> She's received by the great reclining seats that that car has because <laughs> yeah. she's, she's trying to be strangled by the the seatbelt and Halle Berry reclines and the and that lets her neck out of the noose basically. Mm-hmm. And, and let the, me just say one thing about left and right side sliding uh, back back sliding doors. doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, let me just say one thing about Halle Berry in this situation. Halle Berry has done something we should all do when we get a car, which is read the manual because she yeah. knows every feature of this car. She knows exactly what to do. And also, she probably knows Krav Maga. I'm just going to put that out there, too. But it's town and country-specific Krav Maga, Mm -hmm. where they're like, okay, I'm going to show you how to use every part of your town and country to defeat an assailant. You're going to do it like this. Let's say you're in the driver's seat. Of course you are. It's your car. Don't ever let anybody else drive your car. It's your car. It's like a a samurai's sword. It's his soul in a sheath. Mm -hmm. This is your soul in a minivan, so don't let anyone else drive it. You wouldn't let them drive your soul, would you? I wouldn't let anyone drive my soul. And she's like, can we speed it up? I have to pick up my kid. I don't have a lot of time for this for this session. But anyway, uh, we always read the manual. I guess that whether it's a video game, a car, or surgical equipment, always read the manual. Absolutely. That's what I would say. And even if it's brought to you by a guy named Manuel – like, read his situation. <laughs> Say, like, hey, what's going on with you, Manuel? Like, let me, like, emotionally, physically, financially, I want to help you out. This is what's best. Just read all the manuals and Manuels. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're watching Faulty Towers, pay a close attention to Manuel the character because yeah. he's the funniest one in the whole show. Anyway. Oh, uh, a bit of an ethnic character. <laughs> uh, uh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, it's the, the famous gl- caricature of the yeah. bumbling Spaniard that we're all so familiar with. <laughs> 
I liked how Dan couched his critique there in, in case there are some big Faulty Towers defenders. I mean, well, you know, it's a yeah, great show. Up. It just, uh, it, you know, certain parts of it haven't aged particularly well. Sure. I mean, that scene where he's rude to the Germans who lived through World War II, that would never play now because those people would be elderly at this point. Mm-hmm. That scene has really aged. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> moving on. Uh, so uh, Halle Berry eventually... Uh, she hurls the woman out of her car, uh, again, taking advantage of those sliding rear doors, and tries to trick the male kidnapper into thinking that the female kidnapper has the car now by putting on the woman's jean jacket and just kind of like waving her hand around through the windshield. Uh-huh. And it is I, – I, at this point, I really give the movie credit for being colorblind in its casting and in the <laughs> characters because the male kidnapper never seems to be like, well, that seems to be a black arm wearing my girlfriend's sister's jacket. Yeah. Maybe she – I don't know. I mean, know. he's Maybe looking through me. a rearview mirror, dude. I guess that's true. It's difficult. Very shadowy. Uh, she's following the bad guy, but she's running low on gas. Chase time again. Again, super tense chase. Uh, and I, I don't want to – like I feel like we have to keep mentioning that like – what, 75% of this movie is just car chase. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just her in her car chasing after this guy. Uh, she finds the bad car abandoned. It was in an accident. The bad guy took Frankie off on foot. Uh-huh. She goes into the sheriff's office to repeat it. Oh, sorry, to repeat it, to report it. And the sheriff is like, well, I'm the only one here. I'll send some cars out. They should be out in like 15 minutes. Just wait here and we'll get it set up. And Halle Berry sees this this wall of posters of kids who have been missing for years. And she's like, these are the ones who waited. I can't wait. And she goes on the hunt again. Yeah. And she's just driving around town, sees the kidnapper's jacket in a trash can, looks up. Another car starts pulling yeah. away. This she is, follows that car. Yeah, Dan. This is the biggest contrivance in the movie, that she just could just drive around after losing the guy and be like, oh, here he is again. Like, yeah, yeah, like that it's, car is driving suspiciously. Oh, wait. That's correct. That is the kidnapper. Yeah. And that, that it is so dead in the middle of the day that the one car on the road in this town is the kidnapper's car. <laughs> so the, the kidnapper knows she's onto him, and he runs over a lady in the street. Yeah. Well, this is after she smashes into his car a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he runs over a woman in the street, and Halle Berry avoids the person on the street and then slams on the brakes so that the person who's already been run over doesn't get hit by another car. Her Chrysler mm-hmm. town and country gets T-boned and does not move an inch. Oh no, so stable. So so and the and the airbag instant opening. Like it's you can't say enough about this car. She <laughs> at this point she's been in like four car accidents. <laughs> yeah, and the handling, she swerves right around that person in the street. She doesn't offer any help. Mm-hmm. Not at all. I mean, she just the, she just gave that person their life back, Elliot. <laughs> Yeah, but true. But the, the message that you send to the world by buying a Chrysler Town and Country minivan is, "I'm taking care of myself. You take care of you." Oh wow! Yeah. I'm in like Every a man's battle tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can withstand anything. What are you doing to help you out? Because when the bomb falls and I'm protected because I'm in my Chrysler Town and Country, mm-hmm. I don't have room for you. I gotta watch my own family. So see ya. Except she doesn't say see ya. She stops and gets T-boned, like you're saying by that other car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's back then, on the hunt, uh, like immediately. And then she goes back at it. But she 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 slams into the bad guy's car, but she runs out of gas. No. Why does she not have a solar-powered car? Why don't all of us have solar-powered cars? What happened? Dan, why don't we have solar-powered cars? Uh, I assume it's some sort of vast conspiracy on the part of the car companies and the oil companies. 
That's part of it. Also, it's a battery issue. Oh, okay. So she leaves her she leaves her gasless uh, Chrysler Town and Country sitting in the road. She flags down another vehicle. This is that aforementioned older fellow without a cell phone, but he does have a radio. They talk mm-hmm. about it for a little while, and then all of a sudden, the kidnapper is back, and he's on the attack. And we've learned that the kidnapper went down a dead end, mm-hmm. so he has to come back that way anyway. So he smashes into their car. Halle Berry blacks out, wakes up to find that the van driver is dead, mm-hmm. and the male kidnapper <laughs> just, is getting out of his car. Just another name to be added to the cenotaph of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, see, the uh, is he the first? He's the first death of the movie, right? Uh, I'm sure that that, cop, that that motorcycle cop oh, no, probably motorcycle died. Cop. You're right. The Which motorcycle cop, if, if not dead, died. he's living a life worse than death since everything below his shoulders has been crushed. Yes. Yeah. And uh, at the, I mean, at the point that the kidnappers, after killing a police officer, were like, OK, if you give us ten thousand dollars, we'll give you your kid back. Like they're that's crazy. <laughs> like yeah. they're way too far gone at that point. Ten thousand dollars. What? They just need enough to get them down to Mexico sure. and then, I guess, get in trouble there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, uh, she wakes up, the, the man kidnapper, uh, let's just call him Scraggly Joe. Mm-hmm. He's like, because uh, he looks, or you know what, he looks kind of like Spike, uh, Snoopy's brother who lives in the desert. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, with the, the long, scraggly mustache. Of Spike. <laughs> yes, sure. definitely. The what? The non-beagle the version of Spike. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Dan's right. Uh, we wouldn't want the listeners to think that he's some kind of dog man. <laughs> he's not. He's no dex dog detective. No, clear. no. He's a human man. He just has that kind of air of like droopiness about him. And uh, he's comes at her with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And the and she's not in her town and country anymore. So she can't. She's in trouble. Although she then goes back into her town and country, right? Yeah, of course. She leads him back into her safe space, and yeah. then then she uses like, the town and country's and is, it, parking brake. <laughs> To uh, drag that man through the woods, totally killing him. Yeah. And finally, the town and country smashes into a tree and is no more. Or is it? She she traps him in the door and and drags him through. And it's like she says she says a thank you, not to God, but to Chrysler Mm -hmm. for giving her. It's like uh, you have to imagine there was at some point when uh, He-Man's steed Battle Cat died in battle and He-Man probably laid Battle Cat a.k.a. Cringer, yeah. to rest. And, uh, oh, you know what probably happened is he, Cringer didn't turn into Battle Cat in time, and there was a battle, and He-Man was in danger, and Cringer, finding the Battle Cat inside of him that was always there, mm-hmm. he leaped into the fray and saved He-Man. So it turned out Cringer was the real hero, and when He-Man was, was I guess, giving him a Viking funeral and, and lighting him on fire, on the pyre, he, he shed a tear, and he said, Cringer, you were the real battle cat. Yeah. So it I, was you all along. So I guess write up that fanfic and post it to the <laughs> internet. <laughs> and then Tila says, you should have told him that when he was alive, damn it. <laughs> wow. And then, she's, yeah, yeah. and then she storms off to become evil and, Tila. And and he, man, looks over to Orko and Orko's like, I don't know, man. I don't even know if I have a face. <laughs> <laughs> I got my like, own What problem. am I? <laughs> I got my own issues here. <laughs> so yeah, the... Uh, so she she off the body of the dead kidnapper. She finds out the address of where her son most likely is being kept, and then she, yeah, she uses the license. still working, uh, the still working what is that GPS unit it's, in the it's Chrysler like the navigator, Town and Country nav- yeah. navigation screen. So yeah. even in death, the the Chrysler Town and Country provides one last bit of help. 
She oh, lays truly the hero of the film. She lays her hand on the hood of this damaged steed <laughs> and then heads off to find yeah, her she son. She says, says silently, I will avenge you. Mm-hmm. It's, and goes off. I, I mean, never has a passing of a hero <laughs> been so beautiful. <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, I saw some some uh, notes, some like references to the death of Boromir in this moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Maybe deep down the Chrysler town and country was chasing after the kid for its own ends. Maybe it wanted to catch the kid. Yeah. That's well, true. Well, I, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. There was a real anyway. There's it was a, it was a truly heroic death worthy of this heroic character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and we should all take a moment to remember it, but not too much of a moment because night falls while she's walking to this house. She enters the house and the lady kidnapper is in there answering a phone call. Turns out they kidnap kids and sell them for money. And the lady is like, I want $100,000 now. You better pay up, blah, blah, blah. Halle Berry calls 911 after seeing the lady kidnapper leave and go into like a creepy old barn. And she grabs a knife. The shotgun she took with her, she, I guess she couldn't find the bullets, so she doesn't. She yeah. couldn't find the shells where it's they were stored. So it's she a, just it's a primitive it weapon used only by Bayou folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it was it's not it's as like elegant fin- as a butcher knife. <laughs> yeah, it was. It had that probably a fingerprint lock, so she couldn't she couldn't shoot it anyway. Yeah, uh, it's coded to Bayou DNA, but uh, <laughs> like RoboCop's gun. Uh, she calls nine one one. They say the police are coming. We have your location, and then she hears someone pick up the phone and start dialing, and she hangs up. Uh, the kidnapping woman walks back in, finds the shotgun, sees the phone is off the hook, gets in her pickup truck, drives away. I guess, I assume, to go see, hey, where's my where's my boyfriend's brother? Mm-hmm. Uh, Halle Berry sees that the woman just brought back from the barn a half-empty pizza box and some juice boxes. Uh, either, either. Wait a minute. This woman, <laughs> either this woman's ashamed of her childish eating habits, <laughs> or perhaps... I wonder, you know what it is probably? Like I was saying, they don't have cups. They're not used to drinking out of cups. So she's looking for some kind of drink that you can just drink it out of the thing you buy it in. Mm-hmm. And that's juice boxes. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the moment. That's the closest moment you're going to get to like a hunter kneeling down to like feel the warmth of like the shit of an animal. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the natural food. That's the natural prey of a kid. <laughs> yeah. There's a juice box carcass here. Still warm. <laughs> They've been through this area. She goes to the barn and and calls for Frankie, who's in like a locked loft area. Mm -hmm. And there's two other kids there. And uh, she takes a jagged shovel and she's going to break a hole. I thought she was going to break a hole in the ceiling, but she's just going to knock a big pipe out of the way to make the hole bigger for them to go through. But then the kidnapper comes back. Oh, no. Uh, She knocks out that pipe. The kidnapper comes is is loading the gun. Halle Berry says, other girls, I'll be back. Frankie, you uh, you come down. We got to get out of here. And she runs away with Frankie. The kidnapper sicks a mean dog on them. Mm-hmm. No, yep. terrible. Uh, <laughs> they run down to a, Berry, they run down to a pier or a dock or whatever, and yeah. they send out a dummy boat to trick mm-hmm. the kidnapper when they're actually hiding under like they're Rambo. <laughs> yeah, they're hiding under the dock in the water like Rambo. The kidnapper shoots shoots her gun into the boat, but the dog <laughs> smells them under under the dock, and the kidnapper's like, huh? And she's about to shoot under there when. Just like in Rambo, Halle Berry jumps up from under the dock and pulls the kidnapper down, and the gun goes off and shoots the dog. That's how good Halle Berry is at this <laughs> point amazing. as a town and country commando. Well, the thing is, she has played so many games 
of Marco Polo. Oh. Of course she's going <laughs> to murder this lady in a game of Marco Polo, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't even see that that brilliant piece of seeding and, and paying <laughs> off. It's like, now it, she goes, it appears the Polo has become the Marco. <laughs> <laughs> or she's like that was in to the, defeat that was in the first draft of the screenplay and they're like can you take this <laughs> yeah. line out Halle Berry was like I can't figure out a way to deliver that line realistically and I'm already in like three feet four feet of water so can we not do that yeah. okay you're the producer you could have just asked me to take the line out uh, do you think that uh, the it's that she was like in order to defeat a, sw- a bayou swamp person I must become a bayou swamp person Yeah, and that's when she like Gets, that's when she decides she's going to hide in the water under the dock. She and the kidnapping lady, they fight a bunch in the water, and the kidnapping lady is, what, dragged under by her heavy li- uh, flashlight or something mm-hmm. that, that she's got on her? I mean, she, anyway, like, chokes her and all that stuff. And so Halle Berry drowns this woman right in front of her son. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where if you're a kid and you fantasize seeing your parents killing a kidnapper, you'd pro- you think you'd be like, that's awesome, but in real life it would be the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that kid, that kid, he does his homework on time from now on. <laughs> oh yeah, you better believe he's not leaving his mom's sight, yeah. and he's never drinking a juice box or eating pizza again <laughs> because it is, he has he uh, he because he now associates those with being kidnapped. So uh, she goes back for the girls, and a man walks in with a shotgun. He's like, "I'm the neighbors. What are you? I'm the neighbor. What are you doing?" She says, "They were kidnapping people. I've been their neighbor for 14 years. Which, that's guys, that's crazy, guys." This guy's wearing like an L.L. Bean sweater. There is no way he is the neighbor of these people. He's like, that is very like, true. Of course they're not. I just assume they're weird cannibals, not kidnappers. <laughs> I just assumed that they were siblings who have sex with each other. I wasn't going to judge them, and they weren't going to judge me for running a hedge fund that's slow, just slowly destroying the world's economy. So you know what? Let's live and let live. But And I thought for a moment – is this going to be the message part of the movie where Halle Berry is shot for being black in a oh. place where people are suspicious of that? Like, or at the end of uh, Night of the Living Dead, yeah. where the where the black hero is killed tragically. But no, that's not what it is. He says, "Oh, let me help you get those kids out of there," and she goes, "Let me help you get those girls out of there." And she goes, "I didn't tell you there was more than one kid up there, or that they were girls. This guy was in on it." Yeah, of course. And so uh, while he reaches for the gun behind his back, Halle Berry slashes him across the the body with his, with her jagged shovel. She, she blasts him in the head with it. And then later on yeah. when she's being let out by the cops, they're like, you killed all those guys. <laughs> <laughs> she killed yeah, that dude yeah. with one hit. They're like, do you want and an application to the police force? <laughs> she says, uh, and she says, you took the wrong kid, which – should be the slogan of the movie. They took the wrong kid. Just yeah. her angry face, and uh, that was. And it was like I have to admit, as a parent at that moment, I was like, "Yeah, that's damn right. You <laughs> did take the wrong kid." Yeah. But the implication is also, if you had taken another kid that wasn't mine, peace be with you. You know, God, be, you know, God bless. Do what you want to do. I'm in my town and country. I can take care of myself. Yeah. If, you took my kids. So that means trouble. But you should have taken another kid. Yeah. If she had just, you know, guys, if she had just worked the double like her boss had said. None of this would have happened if yeah. she had just accepted her place as a cog in this grist <laughs> mill of capitalism. Yeah, in the in the uh, in the the uh, food industrial complex that she's just a tiny piece of. Yeah, that's, then this this never would have been happened. Yeah, yeah. The moral and of I the just story said this is, never would have been a happened. Yeah, <laughs> this never would have been a happened, eh? <laughs> no, uh, yeah. The moral of the story is don't go to the fair. Basically. 
<laughs> or always work a double shift. Yeah. Just you're, you'll get overtime pay for it probably. But uh, the, a helicopter appears overhead. The police have arrived, and we just hear these news reports that are talking about how this was a multiple state child abduction ring that's now been broken up. Now that Halle Berry has revealed it. And it ends on the line of a newscast. This is just audio. We ends on a newscaster saying, this mother is one incredible hero. <laughs> as, if, <laughs> as if the audience didn't get it up till then. Like, yeah, the it's like, one of those, oh. it's like, a, it is to this movie what the moment is in the imitation game where it's like, we call them computers. Oh, <laughs> that, that thinking machine he was building was a computer. I get it. Now, did you guys stick around for the after credit scene where Nick Fury shows up and invites her to <laughs> become part of the Fantastic Four? Have you heard of the Angry Parents Initiative? <laughs> uh, okay. uh, now, guys, let me, yeah. be, let me be straight about this movie. Let me just be clear about it. This movie operated for me on exactly the level and in exactly the way it was intended to operate for me. Like, this is, I don't know, I don't remember the last time I've seen a movie where I was as on edge while watching it. As this one. Yeah. And like, as like, it had me in its grip until like the first, like I said, the first 10, 15 minutes, I was like, this is dumb. But then as soon as she gets in her car from then until the end of the movie, I was like, what's going to happen? What You got to catch that kid. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, well, that sounded like a final judgment. So let's make it official. Is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie or a movie you kind of like? Elliot. I would say I'd go even farther than a movie I kind of liked. This was a movie I would recommend Really? To people who want to watch, you know, to people who want to watch like a trash chase thriller. Yeah. Like it's not, if you want to watch a movie that's just like, it's just nonstop, like white knuckle, a kid is in danger and you're, and a woman, and the angry mother is chasing swamp people in her, in her town and country minivan. Like, yeah. then this is a good version of that. Like, this is a good, like, exploitation dumb thriller. Yeah. I, I would say this is a movie I kind of liked. I don't think I, I think I probably am a, like slightly less high on it. Um, but, because I, for me, as soon as she got out of the car, like things sort of slowed down a little bit. All the stuff at the end was not as as thrilling to me as like the car chase stuff. That's true. The car chase stuff is the good stuff. But uh, but yeah, I had fun watching this movie. I was I was kind of surprised. And it's like I think it's less than ninety minutes. I'm not sure about that, but it's it's very short. I think it's like yeah, I think it's like eighty five minutes long or eighty one minutes. Like this is they did not stretch out this movie. And also all the stuff I thought was going to come into fl- like I was like, "Oh, maybe her husband kidnapped the kid because he wants custody oh. and he's trying to make it look like she's insane." Like I I was like, "What dumb twist are you going to put on this movie?" No, no dumb twist. It is it's so straightforward. She's at the fair, her kid gets taken, she chases after it, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a movie that begins at a fair, has a <laughs> has a has a long car chase, and then basically ends at the Baker house from Resident Evil seven. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. No, it was great. And it was short, you know, like 85 minutes. Heck yeah. Give me that. And, uh, I I feel like this was, it was a telling sign that usually when we're watching a, when I'm watching a movie for the show and I get up to go to the bathroom and my wife goes, do you want me to pause it? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this, this, this time, is my time. I'm taking a break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, this time I smashed the pause button because I didn't want to miss a moment. Yeah. So this. So, uh, yeah, if you like watching like trash thrillers, then this is a good one to go to. <sighs> you know, I was there was part of me. I was having I was worried because like 30 minutes into the movie, I was like, we are going to have trouble. What are we going to talk about on the podcast? Unless this movie goes way off the rails. Like, I'm enjoying it way too much. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, like this is a movie that did not. It didn't try to be smarter than it is, yeah. which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um. Hey guys, we should talk a little bit more about the Max Fun Drive. Hey, Max Fun Drive. Um. <laughs> look, do we have to say it like that? Hey. <laughs> um, so Dan what is the Max Fun Drive for anyone who is a new listener to this episode never heard this show before not familiar with Max Fun, Max Fun uh, what keeps the lights on and what keeps us afloat explain the Max Fun Drive well, Max Fun <laughs> oh wow <laughs> explain the Max Pain Drive um, <laughs> now this uh, this is how we keep ourselves funded I mean basically I mean you know we do we do a few ads but uh, those we'll be honest are a small fraction of the you know the 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 money we get for doing the podcast. Um, it most of it comes from listeners like you who have memberships to Maximum Fun, and uh, it helps us be able to keep doing what we're doing. I'm I I don't want to panic anyone. I don't want to make them a little extra anxious, but uh, I think that's fair to say that like this year it was a little harder to keep the show going than in previous years, just because Elliot moved. You know, uh, we've like, there's That's our, the main reason our lives have changed a little bit, you know, like, and, and, and what do you, what are you, what are you trying to tell me, Dan? What's going on? No, I'm just saying like, I'm, well, I guess I'm, <laughs> I, I guess I, Dan's saying it's the last episode. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So donate. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's no, I it's, it helps to, there's certain, like as someone speaking for myself, as someone with a family, yeah, it is. I love doing this show. I love doing it with you guys, especially because you're my good buddies, and I like entertaining people. But like, it makes it much more doable in a world where I have a family to take care of and spend time with. That we're paid for this, yeah, we are, and uh, and it means, and especially not to pull the curtain back on my life too much. Starting out <laughs> a new life in LA as a freelance person, I don't have the kind of steady income that I once did. And getting the income from this show has been a huge help in yeah. making sure that I don't have to – I mean really what it makes sure is that I can I can have the career that I want to have and don't find myself doing work that I would then have to, I guess, murder myself for doing. No, that's too intense. I guess uh, what it really is is it's like a huge help in keeping me afloat too, yeah. I have to mm-hmm. say. We all have responsibilities. Elliot has a family. Stuart uh, runs a business. I have – Crippling depression that I need to feed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I mean, by buying new things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't just survive on writing Thundercats fan fiction, Dan. No, I can't. <laughs> Believe me, I have tried. Uh, but listen, if you become a member, it's good for you too because you'll feel good every time you listen to the show. Uh, you'll be like, I, I'm your boss. Yeah. I own these people. That's right. I paid your salaries. Oh, that's fun. Uh, I the I same mean, way every time I get pulled over by a cop, I say I pay your salary, sir. Yeah, I went through. I don't really do that. I went through a pretty lean time a little bit ago, and it's it's nice to be able to. Uh, when I got out of that lean time, it felt really good to be able to support things that I like, uh, and you know, especially when it's something like art or something yeah. I enjoy. Oh, and I, <laughs> I would also like to say it benefits uh, folks too in that the more that we get funding... Did I just call our fucking podcast art? I wasn't going to say Yeah, anything. but you meant it was like short for Arthur. Okay. Like his name is Arthur Flophouse. Uh, one, one benefit uh, for listeners too, I mean, depending on where you live, is uh, the money that you give us helps us do things like tour 
which maybe we wouldn't be able to do if we weren't if we didn't have money in the coffers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we get to go out and uh, do live shows, which is something we really enjoy. Uh, and, and if they're a but new, that's not everything. If they're let's, a new or oh, upgrading donor, oh yeah, uh, you. If this is your first time uh, becoming a member of Max Fun, or if you're an existing member that increases your monthly uh, donation, uh, you're going to get some cool prizes, some cool gifts. Yeah, there's pledge gifts. Um, so, at, so if you go to maximumfund.org/donate, you'll see that you can donate at a number of different levels, as low as five dollars a month or as high as two hundred dollars a month. And uh, the best stuff, I think, is probably around, like, if you do the $10, $20, or $35 levels a month. That's when the most exciting things that you get are there. Yeah, but let's go, let's go through some of these gifts. Um, at the $5 per month level, there's exclusive bonus content. And, at the, and that means that, at this point, there's literally hundreds of hours of extra Max Fun shows that you don't get as a regular uh, non-contributing person, person um, including... Several hours of uh, Flophouse shows. We've done some things like we've talked about bad TV shows instead of uh, bad movies. We've done extra uh, letter segments. We've done what? What else have we done? We've done some other stuff, I think. Yeah, and we got a uh, we got a special new uh, set of uh, bonus episodes that are going to be coming to you. Oh yeah, I think the first one's going to be coming up pretty soon. Uh, that's an extension of the uh, Flophouse crossovers with the Adventure Zone. Uh, this was a complicated project that we put together, um, and I am looking forward to you guys getting a chance to hear it. Uh, at the t- so that's just at five dollars yeah. a month. You just get all that bonus content. But wait, there's more. At the ten dollar per month level, you get a beautiful enamel pen designed by Megan Lynn Cott. And you may remember that there have been enamel pens in the past. This is a brand new design. Mm-hmm. We've seen the Flophouse one. It's a lovely picture of Nicolas Cage with good, bad under it. Don't know why you had to say lovely. Uh, I thought <laughs> it was implied. Redundant. <laughs> At the $20 per month level, you'll get the Max Fun Family Cookbook, which is uh, a bunch of uh, recipes from Max Fun uh, contributors. Do you guys want to know? How I roast vegetables at home. Yeah. Because it's in there. Is it? Good. I'm glad that you yes. got it in. Because I was like, did we get something in there? Yes, we did. Okay. I, there's a way that I roast vegetables at home that my wife taught me. And then I kicked it up a notch by increasing the seasoning by like a thousand fold. And it's in there. You'll you'll enjoy it. I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, at the $35 per month level, there's a one liter juice carafe which is uh, engraved with the Max Fun Rocket logo. And you don't, you don't need to put juice in there. You could put in uh, other things. You know, if you're a drinker, you could put some alcoholic beverages in there. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell your parents. Anything that's caraffable, pee yeah. in it. I don't care. Use, yeah. it, use it wisely. Here's the thing. You're a swamp person. You live in a shack. You're not used to pouring things into cups. Here's a good start. Pour, it, pour that soda out of the bottle into a carafe and then pour that carafe into a glass and then drink it that way. Um, so we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, talk your ear off about this. We'll be back at the end of the show to talk a little bit more about it. But for now, uh, just go to maximumfund.org forward slash donate. And, uh, you know, uh, I wanted to say one of the great things about this is you get to choose which shows you listen to and the money goes directly to the people that you listen to. So, uh, you know that the art you particularly, I said it again, I said it too, Stuart, I said Ugh. art, uh, the stuff that you like gets supported directly. Um, so that's, I'm going to call it comedy and culture instead of art. Cause that's what they say in the max fun, 
uh, stinger at the end is comedy and culture. But uh, if, don't worry. If there's a show you hate on Max Fun and you're worried you're going to donate <laughs> to us and it's going to go to that show, don't worry. When you donate to us, it goes to us. We're not sharing that money with the show you hate. We're keeping it for ourselves and we're going to eat it up and it's going to go in our bellies so the other show can't ever get it. So uh, if you if you go when you go to pledge, you choose which show you want to donate to and you should choose Flophouse if that's the one you want to donate to. And I hope it is because then the money goes to us. Uh, but don't worry that you're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want my money to go to a show that I don't want it to. Or that's a pretty good impression of our listeners, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like most of our listeners don't like other Max Fun shows. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they like a lot of them. There are a lot of good shows. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a member. I donate to a lot of shows. Um, but that's true. Let's so go to, and I want to say this. Yeah, I would love it if you stopped the podcast right now, pause it. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate right now and do it now while you're thinking about it yeah. because you're probably going to forget to do it. Don't put it on your to-do list. It's got to be during the pledge drive. Go go do it and then uh, and then come back or listen to this while you're doing it. I don't know. You don't have to stop. Yeah. Or if you're like – if you're at the gym right now, mm-hmm. then like yeah, yeah. stop. Stop exercising and go home and do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While you're at the gym anyway, you know, that's a, that's a tiring thing to do. And what going to the gym? Yeah, yeah, it's no fun. Put down, put down the weights. Yeah, stop it. Okay. Also, you're making yeah. me look bad. So <laughs> stop making Dan look bad. You know what would help make Dan feel a little bit better about you looking better than him? Yeah. Give him some money. Go to maximumfund.org/slash/donate. Also, and I hate to say it, the house cat owes a lot of money to some very bad people, and we. Uh, you any said you weren't going to bring that up, dude. I just he trusted you. Now's the time, if ever. <laughs> Um, so now we should, so what do we do next on the podcast, Dan? Do we talk more about the pledge drive now in the podcast? We move on to letters. Oh, letter bag. Yeah. Our movie mailbag. We haven't called it that in a while. Why not bring that back? Uh, (laughs) so these are listeners like you. They've written in, uh, you can write in, uh, if you go to the, the show page, uh, at flophousepodcast. Are you just vamping while you find the letters? (laughs) Hey, Dan. It seems like you're vamping till a song kicks in. Well, guess what? Good news for you. I've got a song and it's coming through to our pledge donors all over the world. Pledge donors, top to bottom. Pledge donors, they're gonna hurl. When they find out all the great stuff they're gonna get when they pledge. Hey, Dan. Sometimes you're waiting for a letters song to kick in, but the guy who's waiting for the moment to sing the song is curious just how long you'll go before the song kicks in. And so I let you hang a little longer. So I let you dangle over the pit of, uh, what kind of pit would it be? I was going to say pit of Damocles, but that's a sword of Damocles that hangs over somebody else. So forget that part. Let's get to the heart of the song for the show for letters. Because, hey, guys, reading letters, that ain't cheap. We pay 100 people to read all the letters. Then they get extra money when they find a good letter and they pass it along to us. That's a lot of overhead. Financially, it would leave us dead without the pledges that you bring in for the letter readers from letter writers that give it to us and then they read it to Dan because Dan can't read. (laughs) That's his secret. 
He's ashamed of it. He asked me not to tell. But I figured, what the hell? For the pledge donors, they can learn the truth. (laughs) Dan's illiterate, both when it comes to reading and also somewhat emotionally. And so, hey, we want to get Dan these classes so he can finally use those glasses and read a letter to himself for once. So why don't you help us make Dan's dream a reality? With letters. All right, that's what I like. Uh, the definition I like when, of insult. When Elliot realizes he knows the rhyme, like it, he starts to pick up in intensity. Oh. <laughs> it's like I just said, "Tell." Now I'm going to say, "What the hell?" <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so this first letter is from Jake. Last night, what held? And the fat man. <laughs> that's right. Both of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, he writes, "Hey, floppers! I recently finished reading George Saunders' novel Lincoln and the Bardo." The acclaimed, strange, affecting novel about President Lincoln coping with the death of his young son and the escalating civil war. Naturally, because I spend way too much time listening to you three, I wondered immediately if noted Lincoln head Elliot Kalin had read the book. This also made me wonder what the floppers like to read. I know there have been some comics recommendations in the past, but since you three have steered me well with movies over the years, I wanted to ask, are there any books you three always find yourself recommending? Anything recent? Thanks for the Rex. Keep on flopping. Uh, uh, I have read Lincoln and the Bardo, and I really liked it a lot. Okay, well, that answers <laughs> I think that, that question. There was, a, I think, the format he decided to read it, write it in is a little difficult in a, in a way that uh, it's it's written as if it's all quotes taken from different sources, so you don't always know who's talking until you get to the bottom of the quote and you read their name. But I thought uh, of all the things I've read that have tried to get inside of Lincoln's head and his way of thinking, I thought George Saunders did it best. The times when you're inside Lincoln's thought process, I was like, this is probably how his thinking worked. So I thought he did a really fantastic job with it. Yeah. I think, to answer the larger question, I believe I've mentioned some of my favorite books before, so I won't belabor that. I mean, like I talked about Robertson Davies' The Deptford Trilogy. I think I've talked about how much I like Harpo Marx's autobiography, Harpo Speaks. I love the Alice books by Lewis Carroll. Those are some of my, like, personal favorites but uh in terms of like stuff i've been reading lately i read uh miranda july's novel uh the first bad man which i thought was pretty terrific um you know she's known as an artist and a filmmaker she made me you and every everyone we know and the future i may have fucked up the first title i can't remember whether it's everyone or everybody but um uh Well, we'll let you. The fans will let you know, oh. and it will be scathing. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of which, I fucked up uh, on. Uh, so, in the snowman, Oleg's father is actually some sort of Russian uh, mobster. Uh, he's not Harry Holt. So, uh, just wanted to put that out there. But anyway, Miranda oh, July's God, novel. We figured it out. Miranda, uh, yeah. It was not clear from the movie, and we I were couldn't a couple remember of, from the book. We were, we were just like a couple of Harry Holes there figuring that one out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, Too late for me to to win at pub trivia, but okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, it's a like it's a very interesting book. Uh, it's a character study of a very odd sort of character who's uh, very lovable. I, the the second half of the book didn't resonate with me as much as the first, just because of who I am. I'm a childless man, and the second half of the book is very much about motherhood. So it wasn't like you're, meant you're talking for about me. Miranda July's book. Miranda July's for book. For a second, I thought you were talking about Harry Hole. Yeah, the second part of the book was how Harry Hole became a mother. Uh, <laughs> it was just like Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, but uh, I, I would recommend that book uh, to other 
list readers. Uh, are there books that the rest of you are the rest of you being t- the two others? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I have a, ten, uh, I like a lot of like weird fiction. Your Jeff Vandermeers, your China Mievilles, uh, and lately, and I also have a tendency to like read a lot of like comfort stuff for me. So like my comfort zone is usually like Bernard Cornwell, historical war novels and, mm. uh, like historical fiction or, you know, your Patrick O'Brien. Book? Yeah. The sharps rifles yeah. and his, uh, his Arthurian, uh, trilogy, his warlord chronicles. It's awesome. Uh, I think, and they made the, uh, the, they made that TV show last kingdom based mm. on a series. It's really great. Um, and, uh, and like Dan Abnett's sci-fi stuff. I don't know, you know, nerdy crap. Uh, I think I've mentioned my favorite books before on the podcast. Uh, the Power Broker by Robert Caro is my favorite nonfiction book. Runner Up, The Journalist and the Murderer by Janet Malcolm. Uh, and my favorite fiction books are Alice in Wonderland, as Dan mentioned, and also The Man Who Was Thursday by G.K. Chesterton. But some books I just read recently that I liked a lot. I really liked the book Kindred by Octavia Butler, which is kind of a time travel novel about about uh, someone from modern days going back to slave times whenever her ancestor is in trouble. Uh, and it went in directions I didn't expect it to go, and I thought it was really good. And if you like George Saunders, there's a short story book that came out a couple years ago called The Hall of Small Mammals that is very George Saunders-like, uh, but I actually liked it a little bit more than than I usually like his work. I can't remember the name of the author, which I feel bad about, but it's called, but it's called The Hall of Small Mammals. Okay. Uh, I hope that, uh, gives some, some listeners a little direction that they might want to, you know, follow up on. But, uh, the next letter. And right now I'm also reading an academic text called the comic hero about the idea of, uh, that there is a hero of comedy in the same way that there's a hero of tragedy and looking at different stuff. And I'm enjoying that a lot, but it's, uh, but it's like a little bit, it's a little bit more into, into text analysis than I'm used to. So I don't know if I'd I'd recommend it to someone who wants to read an academic book, but I don't know if you do. <laughs> yeah, the only academic stuff I read is uh, old issues of Nintendo Power magazine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's Nestor up to this time? <laughs> now, here's my problem with it. So when I was a kid, I okay. like I never had a subscription to Nintendo Power, and <laughs> I always put my wanted phone it. down. <laughs> so I would just borrow I would just borrow other kids' issues, and there was that ongoing link comic strip from zelda uh-huh. that i never saw the beginning and i never saw the end and the chapters didn't always match up because i wasn't reading like every issue every issue one after another so did that story ever was that a coherent story do you guys know that legend of zelda comic strip is that like uh the milo Minara comics that would run in penthouse where you're like i don't follow this closely enough to know <laughs> where this begins or ends <laughs> I mean, kind of in a way, I guess. I'm not familiar with those ones, but uh, it was like I would pick up an issue of Nintendo Power from a friend and be like, I just want some cheat hints. Like, just show me where the bad guys are waiting for me on this level. And then here's four pages of comic strip where Link is dealing with something that I don't know what it is. And I just wondered if that was always confusing or if people who were following the story were like, ah, yes, I know. Uh Uh-oh, this happened? So I guess write in if you remember those comic strips. Okay. Uh, I guess so. Uh, call to action. This next letter is from Sebastian, last name withheld, who writes... The crab. Oh. Uh, I'm surprised he can type. 
Uh, this says, it seems like anyone who's anyone these days has an enemy. Democrats have Republicans, cats have dogs, and even our own Stuart Wellington counts the deadly and mysterious Al Madrigal, a.k.a. Al Magical, amongst mm-hmm. his gallery of rogues. Elliot, meanwhile, has both John, John, sorry, has both John Hodgman, a.k.a. Judge Dredd, a.k.a. Boss Hodgman, as a nemesis, and even squares off against his brother David Kalin, the anti-hero Knuckles of the... Oh, fuck, I don't know how to say that word. To his Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, but what about Dan? Although he is bedeviled and antagonized by his friends, he seems to lack any true villain to call his own. Floppers, doesn't Dan need an enemy too? Someone to stand against to thwart and triumph over? How else is he going to get the babes if he can't throw off his Clark Kent glasses and become the Superman that exists in his heart? Keep on flopping in the free world, Sebastian. This this raises a good point. What's that? Uh, I don't know. Who's your villain? Every, yeah, who's my villain? It's like a so like I a think... happy version of you who's like laid back and chill. <laughs> I think you're the villain, Dan. I like. I think you're the bad guy version of some some Dan who's got it all together and hasn't figured out. Oh, you're the, the goofiest to his gallons in a way. <laughs> so you're saying this is this is like the twist end of some like Twilight Zone episode where I realized that I I was the bad one. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. You realize, you think there's a guy who's trying to destroy your life, and you start to worry that your nightmares have come to life. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out you were the nightmare who came to life from this guy's life, and he's just trying to get rid of you because you've been hurting him. Mm-hmm. It's like you're also, the the bad guy from the dark half, but okay. you 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 killed yeah. you killed the other guy. And now you're still <laughs> oh, no. alive. I don't yeah, even remember well, because everyone's the everyone's the hero of their own story. The bad guy from the dark half is the hero when he tells the tale. Yeah. Now, Dan, this is going to sound <laughs> insulting, but I'm just going to say okay. this. So, I think Stuart and I both have very well defined dynamic personalities. Okay. <laughs> you're right. It does sound insulting, <laughs> and and that makes it easier to define what our opposite numbers would yeah, be. Yeah, wait uh-huh. for it, and he's going to compliment you. It's a little bit like saying, what's the enemy of oatmeal? Okay. Well, I don't know. Oatmeal's just oatmeal. I like to so. think of myself as having uh, sort of a happy medium in my life where I uh, sort of walk the middle path, uh, as it were. Oh, I see. Interesting. Okay. Between, you're, it's not, it's neither, you're neither a samurai uh, walking the path of redemption, nor are you the jester walking the path of, I assume, uh pointing out the truth of humanity's hypocrisy by enacting his foolishness. Instead, you're the, you're just like a farmer, just doing whatever. Okay. I mean, again, I mean, I, he, I he just paraphrased way, you 100% accurately, right? All right. Yeah, that's that was what I was saying. <laughs> no, but Dan, tell me more about this middle path. No, no, no. Let's move on to the next letter. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> listeners, write in. If you've got an enemy for Dan, write in and, and make it happen. I, I kind of want to have been a fly in the wall for Dan's thought process. Uh, for what he's like, I'm going to read this letter. You think the guys are just going to compliment me the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> why, Dan, everyone loves him. That's why he doesn't have an enemy. I, I You know, I didn't really get much past, like, <laughs> this is an amusing con- conceit when I chose the letter. I didn't really, like, go to that next step where I realized what was going to occur. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan, have you, have, you ever heard, have you ever heard the theory that Sherlock Holmes kind of invented Moriarty to have somebody he could finally match wits with? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, there's... Because I think... I mean, like, that's kind of the Batman and Joker, too, right? The idea that, like, the Joker wouldn't exist if Batman didn't wasn't there to oppose yeah. him. Yeah. So maybe it's time for you to bring your own enemy into creation. Okay. Make it happen. All right. Yeah, because I need another thing in my life that is going <laughs> to cause me trouble. Well, maybe, like... Now having... I worry that some fan is going to be like, 
Oh, sorry. We just say Stuart. I was gonna say like maybe having maybe having opposition would like push you to new heights of damnness. Okay. <laughs> well, now I'm worried that a listener is gonna be like, "Oh, that's what that's what's missing from Dan's life is a villain, and so a villain I shall be," <laughs> and he'll just start bedeviling you. Okay. Yeah, that all of our energy directed toward getting people to join the Max Fun Drive will instead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? You know what, Dan? You know what would really be great for Dan's villain to do? Exactly. Go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and uh, make a pledge. It could be $10, $20, $35 a month. You get great gifts and you support Dan, which will make you have more to villainize later sure. on. All right. Uh, well, we're going to get back into that in a second. But let's finish off this letter segment with uh, someone who... With a bullet to the back of the head. Someone who... Uh, withheld his name entirely, or her name, I shouldn't assume. Um, or its name, or their name. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Their name. Yeah. Uh, so, they write, When Wonder Woman was released, I took my mother to see it as a late Mother's Day present. Seeing someone who had been reading comics since the 50s finally see their favorite character brought to life on the big screen made the experience especially special. Have you ever had a particularly touching experience in sharing a movie with someone? A bonus question for Stuart. Which series is better, Halloween or Friday the 13th, and which series has the best single movie? Thanks for everything. Mm. I think uh, uh, this is going to sound... I may have talked about this before. This is going to sound lame because it's dad stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm having that experience right now with... I've started watching the Marx Brothers movies with my son in order. So we haven't gotten super far. We're in uh, Monkey Business right now, which I think is just their third movie. But seeing the way he reacts to it without me, I don't, without me saying like, here's the funny part, just how naturally he finds the Chico and Harpo stuff, especially funny, is very meaningful to me and very moving. And like now the game he wants to play all the time is, okay, I'm Harpo, you're Chico, or I'm Harpo, you're Lucy. And we're doing the mirror bit because I showed him the Harpo Lucy mirror routine from it was either the Lucy show or or I love Lucy I forget which and uh, he is and like just see, just being able to share that with him and seeing like oh, okay this is something that's going to be special for him in the future the way it was special to me is something is that's that's one of, that's that kind of meaningful experience yeah I like it a lot um I'm ra- I'm sort of racking my brain I don't know that I've shared a movie in the way of like. Being like, you got to see this movie uh, that I love and then had a meaningful experience about it. I will say that, um, I mean, this is obviously a little, a little bittersweet seeing as my wife and I are not together anymore. But um, I still treasure it. And, you know, like I, I treasure the relationship we had. Uh, we early on watched Rushmore together. And that was sort of our movie in the way that people have songs. Like it was a very... Like it was a, it was an early kind of quote unquote date. I mean, we met in college, so you don't really date in college. But it was, uh, it was kind of Says when you. we, it was kind of when we first got together. And uh, so Rushmore holds a special place in my heart. Although, again, <laughs> it's kind of a bittersweet place now. Uh, I have a hard, to, I have a harder time watching it than I did before. But it's still meaningful to me. It's not that hard. I, Just put it in your DVD player and press oh, yeah. play, buddy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, it works. Maybe you need a new DVD player. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Oh, I'll look into that. Something I sh- I didn't even think about till you started talking about yours, Dan, is that my experience with my son is there, it reminds me of the first time I ever saw 
any Preston Sturgis movies, mm-hmm. which is when my grandmother took me to film for him for the first time when I was probably 12 or 13. And I had never been there. And that eventually became where I spent like most of my time when I was in college. But the, uh, but I had never seen Preston Sturgis movies before. And we saw Unfaithfully Yours and Miracle of Morgan's Creek. And it really blew me away, especially Miracle of Morgan's Creek. And it's so, it's like I'm doing with my son what my grandma did with me. Yeah, that did, so it's like, you know, a family thing. That didn't occur to me. Like, it doesn't have to be me sharing something. It can be something shared to me. And I think that I also had that experience, weirdly enough, with the Marx Brothers, where my parents showed me animal crackers early on in my life. And I was just blown away. And I'm like, this is the greatest. And, it, you know, it was something that they, you know, had already experienced. I mean, like, they they would have been extremely young i mean like they weren't there for the first time around i remember my mother told me that uh her father took her to see love happy which was the last marx brothers movie and not a good one at all uh <laughs> so they weren't there for the good ones but uh you know it would have been something that they knew from growing up yeah i mean uh i can't think of a single time when i shared something with someone and they particularly enjoyed it uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm like wow what if what does that say about my taste um but uh you're like you're like hey wife sh- sh- you want to watch anthrophagus and she's like no i don't want to watch that <laughs> and so uh but there was a time, I mean, a few years ago, my wife, uh, my wife got me to watch Dirty Dancing, a movie I'd never seen, and I fucking loved it, and it's, uh, and then I, I ended up buying tickets for us to go to the, uh, there's like a special screening at the Draft House, like, I love that movie, it's great, uh, so that was really cool, because that was a movie she grew up with and had a connection to, and I get it, it's awesome. And as for your other question, uh, Friday the 13th beats Halloween, uh, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth has the best movies. Nadoi, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six and Seven are great. Part Four is amazing. Uh, (laughs) Halloween has one good one called Halloween Part Three, uh, Season of the Witch, dude. (laughs) All the other ones are fucking trash. They're so crazy, but that's fine. Crazy for Jason, baby. (laughs) There was a time when I think Halloween Three was seen as the like outsider. Uh Yeah, like that was the one that people set aside and we're like, that's not really a Halloween movie. And I feel like like opinion of it has turned around so much. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's, that, like, it's super dope. <laughs> yeah. And it's got one of the single most horrifying scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Um, okay. Which one is that? When the little kid with the mask on his head, his head like rots and maggots and shit pour out. It's so gross. Like a little kid. That's dies. pretty gross. <laughs> that's pretty gross. <laughs> like it's a movie that kills a little kid. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, you didn't ask me, but I'm a Halloween partisan anyway. Okay. Well, Dan's wrong. So what's next? Uh, what's next is we should talk a little bit more about the max fun drive. Please don't fast forward. Cause this is important. <laughs> um, <laughs> their, their thumb is now hovering over the 15 second <laughs> skip button. Yeah. Just like make it worth my while. <laughs> prove it to me. So let's say right off the bat again, don't forget that URL maximumfund.org slash donate. You should be going there now. If you didn't already go there and just how important it is to us that, you show your support because it means a lot to us both in terms of uh, money, which we need to live because we live in a capitalist society that's based around artificial scarcity, uh, which is let's set aside for the moment. But also because <laughs> there's something that – like there is something that feels really good about getting our pledge amounts in and it's like, oh, like people really care enough about what we're doing to literally put their money where their Years pod on? is. Okay. 
where their ears are. But like, it's a, it's a reminder, not just like, oh, this is great. Like we can, we can feed ourselves, but also, oh, people really like what we're doing enough to support it for real. And it gives us that much more kind of strength and enthusiasm and energy to do it because we know we're not hurling our words out into the void, you know? Mm -hmm. So it means a lot to us on an emotional level too. And you'll feel good because you'll know that you're supporting uh, something that you enjoy rather than, I don't know, just freeloading off of it. And it also, I mean, one of the things that I like is that uh, a little bit of the donation money goes to uh, the MaxFun network. And MaxFun has been making a lot of effort to bring new content and bring new shows and especially and a wide variety of shows. Yeah, and especially put effort into bringing shows that aren't just a couple of three lunkheads like us talking about movies. Uh, Sometimes it's two lunkheads talking about something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should talk. And uh, and look, yeah. look, look. If you're new, if you've never pledged before, now's a good time. If you're already pledged, why not upgrade? There's a goal network wide of twenty five thousand new or upgrading members. That's a huge amount. That sounds crazy, but you know what? They had a crazy goal last time, and they exceeded it. And as a result, Stuart, aren't you going to the Grand Canyon or something? Yeah, I mean, very, very possibly this will be the last episode of the Flophouse featuring Stuart, because there's a chance I will fall into the Grand Canyon and die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To be torn apart by rabid donkeys. Yeah, that's what lives there. That's the horror movie Stuart's pitching. Mm -hmm. It's called Damned Canyon. (laughs) Oh, cool. I'm going to uh, I'm going to mention the bonus gifts one more time. Uh I won't get into the great detail cuz we already said it, but uh for $10 or for $5 per month you get all that exclusive bonus content, uh extra episodes for $10 a month. You get uh the exclusive enamel pen designed by Megan Lynn Cott. Uh that's a great Nicolas Cage design. For $20 per month you can get that Max Fun Family Cookbook and learn Elliot's uh vegetable roasting secrets. Uh, for thir- I also reveal the secret in it of what I do when my family's out of town and I'm by myself for the night. Uh, masturbate? That's in the book? Uh, that's not in the book. <laughs> it's implied, I guess. Uh, that I Basically, that I'll just roast a whole pan of, bro- of broccoli and that'll be my dinner and then I'll watch like an Eastern European movie. <laughs> uh, for $35 per month, you get that uh, juice carafe that's uh, engraved with the MaxFun logo. And there's a bunch of other... Higher levels with with even uh, more gifts, but uh, we know that a lot of you don't have uh, you aren't like rich tycoons. So uh, you can look into those gifts at the donate page and see what you can get if you uh, pay a little bit more. Per if month. you're one of those rich tycoon listeners, <laughs> yeah, those oil. Then tycoons. please. So what you're gonna do? You're gonna go to the maximumfund.org/slash/donate. You're gonna see your membership levels grid and choose how much you want to contribute per month. And then you give them your credit card information and select which show you want the money to go to. And, you know, then it, it just automatically every month your pledge will go through. And until you decide that uh, you have had enough time in this form and it's time for you to childhoods end it up into space to join the spirits uh, among the uh, lunar landscape on the next level of evolution. But that's not going to happen for a while, probably. <laughs> I want to make it clear. Elliot said, "Which show you want the money to go to?" You can pick multiple shows, so you don't have to have like a Sophie's Choice between us and I don't know the Adventure Zone or something like that, uh, or like Switchblade Sisters. Yeah, something something equally or, like or maybe better good. <laughs> I said better good. Uh, yeah, better good. Oh, and the most redundant phrase in the English language: better good. <laughs> it's uh, so. 
and your uh, your membership contribution processes automatically. You don't have you can do it one time. You don't have to worry about it ever again. Uh, and you won't even you won't even feel it. <laughs> you won't even feel it. It's like no, and you'll you'll except the only thing you'll feel is you'll feel the joy of knowing every time you listen to the episode, you'll be like, I'm part of the people supporting it. Like I think I may have told the story on the podcast before when I found out that the Chinese movie Devils on the Doorstep made twenty thousand dollars in its theatrical run in the United States, which meant that probably less than you know less than two thousand people went to see it probably. And I was like, I remember seeing that movie in the theater. I'm part of that like select group of Americans that went to see that movie in the theater, and it makes me feel like I'm special. So you'll be able to feel special every episode by being like, I'm one of the people who's really making this possible. Yeah. This is I own a little piece of this. Now you don't really own a piece of it legally. Like that's don't sue us for <laughs> for that ownership stake. But you own a little piece of its heart, I guess. Mm-hmm. Don't sue us for the heart either. Yeah. No, no, we need that to keep beating our movie blood into our video veins. Yeah. The new flesh. Um, so why don't why not go to maximumfund.org slash donate right now while you're thinking about it and uh, yeah. put in that monthly uh membership donation. So now what do we do? Let's recommend a few movies. I mean we liked kidnap, so we recommended books, we recommended kidnap. Yeah. But we recommend being a member of Max Fund. Yeah, but let's uh recommend just a little bit more okay. uh, movies that we saw. Maybe recently, maybe not so recently. I don't know. I don't know how you live your life that you like. Um, sure, I'll go first since no one else is talking. <laughs> I watched. <laughs> yeah, sorry for being polite, Dan. You're right. I, I'll just rush and interrupt you again because I know you love that so much. <laughs> I saw a movie I enjoyed very much recently uh, called Thoroughbreds. Uh huh. And uh, this is the. Oh, that's the one about. Uh, about. Henry David Thoreau's Bakery. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a mm-hmm. thrilling that, uh, idea I mean, for The a math movie. works. Yeah, that works. Okay. <laughs> no, it's uh, a movie about uh, two young, wealthy... Oh, now I know why Dan liked it. Ladies. Uh, two, two, oh. two prep school girls. Uh, one, oh. one played by Anna Taylor-Joy... Um, from the witch the witch the other one played by uh i can't remember her name i think it's olivia cook yes it is olivia cook um who is going to be i don't know her from other work but she's going to be in the upcoming ready player one <laughs> what you don't know, don't her, know from her from adam from... yeah <laughs> i'm glad that we're getting all the interruptions in now <laughs> <laughs> but both uh actors are fantastic in this movie they're both terrific the film i'll just give like a little bit of the setup i don't want to spoil things it is about these two girls who one of whom olivia cook's character recently uh slaughtered her horse um put her own horse down and so she's looked upon as kind of a crazy person and she reveals that she does not feel emotions the way other people feel emotions and Anna Taylor Joy's character is sort of emotionally pent up, even though she does kind of have raging emotions beneath things. And they form this 
kind of unhealthy bond where they reinforce the negative aspects of each other's character, mm-hmm. which leads to uh, violence eventually. And Anton Yelchin is also in this movie. Oh, it might man. be his last film. I'm not sure if there's something else that's going to be released afterwards. Well, he's not but... making any more, Dan, sadly <laughs> I, to say. I know. I just don't know whether it's the last movie released. I think I read that. Oh. Uh, he's terrific in it. Um, it has been compared to Heather's. It's not quite as like expansive or satirical as Heather's. Uh, it started out as a stage play. That was originally how the guy thought he would write it, and he realized he was making a movie instead. Uh, but it still has some of that flavor of a play. Um, That's how Kidnap originally was made, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Originally, I think it was a stage play, and then he was like, how am I going to do this car chase yeah, on the stage? Real, I'll make it a movie. It'll be a real coup de, de theatre theatre that they can do that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I just liked it a lot, and... Um, it's kind of an ice cold um, character study slash sort of a thriller, but not really. Uh, it's very good. Thoroughbreds in theaters now, or at least when we recorded the episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, I just came back from a rather stressful uh, trip to Florida to visit with my folks, uh, okay. and uh, the conversations uh, weren't super great and uh, whatever, but. Um, <laughs> After <laughs> after that bit of fucking fun, uh, I got on the plane and ordered a ordered a double scotch and <laughs> watched Good Time, uh, which was <laughs> great, a great choice if you're feeling stressed. Yeah, uh, well, I'd already downloaded it onto my iPad, so I'm like, fuck it, let's just lean into it. Yeah. And uh, Good Time is a, a crime thriller that came out last year, starring Twilight hunk Robert Pattison. And it is a story about a ex-con, uh, at least I think he's an ex-con, out on parole who uh, who drags his mentally challenged brother into a bank heist with him. And of course, everything almost immediately goes wrong. And it's a uh, and the whole movie takes place over one night, and the camera is always tight on people. And it just, it's like a white knuckle two hour panic attack. And it's great. Uh, Robert Pattison has a great uh, Queen's accent. Um, <laughs> it has a twist in it that I was totally blown away by. And there is a joke. I don't uh, even remember that. There's a joke later in the movie where he's, uh, where, where he's trying to convince this woman that he is, uh, he is like dragged into this into his uh, like conspiracy or whatever. He, he, one of his conspirators, he's like dragged her into this thing and he's having this conversation with her and there's a joke in it that is possibly the funniest thing I saw in a movie last year. Okay. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's really great um, and very intense. So watch it. Hmm. I want to see that. I'm going to recommend a movie. So lately I've been trying to go back and watch the movies that, came out when I was a kid, but I never actually saw because they were grown-up movies and, you know, I wasn't old enough at the time. And I recently watched, speaking of, Dan's got a movie about two women, and this was a movie about a woman uh, in a car and there's police involved. The movie I watched recently that I'd never seen I ended up really liking a lot was Thelma and Louise hmm. with uh, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon and a, and a ton of other big-name people. And it's like... I had never seen it, and all I knew about it was basically how it ended for the most part. And it really worked for me on a lot, a lot of levels, and they did such a good job of, like, getting me into the 
into the headspace of these two characters and like showing how they were already living lives that were where most of their options were cut off and then watching them have one option after another cut off from them and how both tragic and how liberating that was for them. And I thought it was really, really good. And uh, I can't like now I wish I could go back to 1991 and watch it then because it must have really like messed with people's heads and blew, blew their minds. And uh, well, I know, anyway, I know, I, when, it, really I know when it came out, there was a, there was an attitude among a lot of folks that were like, things are going to change. And yeah. th- that makes it a little more tragic because he know things don't change yeah. for a while. Things lot. didn't change. But you can see like a – but it's like that's a – something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot with in terms of fiction films is they may make an impact and they don't – really. the impact is narrow but deep in a way yeah. in that it's like that, that movie I'm sure planted a seed or like a landmine in a lot of people's heads – that it took a long time to germinate and go off, but it helped. It helped prepare the landscape in a way. I, but, uh, I it came out of time. I get it. It's like Maybe. when, uh, like when a death metal band releases a single album in the '90s, but now all the bands are totally copying their style in the uh, you know 2017. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, in a way that it's also in a way that like a band will be kind of a cult band in the '80s. And then they'll their listenership will grow over time as that album gets passed around. Uh-huh. And then by the t- like I'm thinking of a band like Overkill mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s was like not not a band that would get its albums on the charts. Uh-huh. But the last couple albums they've released, their listenership has been growing for 30 years. So like now when they release an album, it's not high on the charts, but it appears on the charts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, and Overkill as a band is kind of exactly the opposite of Thelma and Louise as a movie <laughs> in terms of what it stands for. But uh, but anyway, but I just thought it, it was one of these Are movies you saying that, like, that only kind Thelma and Louise isn't about how awesome and tough New Jersey is? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying exactly that. Uh, but it's a movie that like uh, I knew it more from its reputation and, and being a controversial movie than from the movie itself. And the movie is really good, and it makes me be like, oh, Ridley Scott, you should – be doing more movies like this nowadays and less movies like i don't know as much as i like prometheus like we've got a lot of prometheus stuff out there so like maybe make more movies about people and less about monsters i don't you know what i don't believe that i like monster movies too no but i i mean like i i mean obviously the best stuff he did the best thing he did probably was alien and like that's a a big science fiction monster thing but in like recent years uh, and recent, I guess <laughs> it goes back to Thelma and Louise, which is not recent at all. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I have enjoyed it more when he does a little more small scale stuff. I don't. It's not a movie that like has like a lot yeah, like, of love behind like it. Gladiator. But I enjoyed Match Matchstick Men, uh, which was a small like little like con movie, uh, and it, it was more of a character study, like fun little like you know just about people. That's the one with Nicolas Cage in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Sam Rockwell, right? I think so. Yeah, that's why you like it, because it's got those guys. Yeah, they're great. Uh, anyway, speaking of the movie I was recommending, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> everyone's really great in it, uh, and the yeah Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis just do a fantastic job in it, and in a weird way that like they my their relationship reminded me so much of the relationship my mom has with these two specific friends. My mom has never gone on a robbery and like shooting spree that you know the way that, these of. Kids, that i know of but just like the way that the way that they interact as two women who are friends but are different types of women felt very real to me in the in the way they were performing and the way it was written 
And I could see like, oh, I can see my mom's relationship with her best friends in this. And like, it made me think about that relationship in a way that I hadn't before. So it was really, it was just like a really good movie that affected me more than I expected it to, because I remember it being a movie that made a big splash in 1991. And then people haven't, I don't hear much about it since then. And I wish people talked about it more. Yeah. Well, Stuart, we should uh, let Elliot change out of his robe and start his day. But thanks for pulling back the curtain. <laughs> we record this at a, a three-hour time difference. Yeah. It's three, hour early, early, three hours earlier where I am yeah. on a Sunday. So maybe I don't have time to like shower and get dressed <laughs> no, and put fucked. a suit on. I've definitely – like it's, it's later here and I've definitely greeted Stuart in my home wearing my pajama pants before. Mm-hmm. So. so I took that <laughs> as, an, as an invitation to put on my pajamas. You should. Which is just my <laughs> underpants. Yeah, we okay. <laughs> We've seen that before. We you, you've you've definitely yeah, podcasted too many times. In your underwear. Uh, that's just a little and once in that tiny bathing suit. Yeah, just once in a tiny bathing suit. Oh, doing the well, podcast. The, yeah, doing the podcast. The one time that you left the table for a little bit and then came back wearing a tiny bathing suit. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm classic. Yeah, yeah, classic stew. So guys, it was it's been great visiting with you, me in my bathrobe, you guys in your. Clothes or pajamas, as happens to be. Yeah. And uh, do we have any last parting words for the audience before uh, we leave them to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate? I think you took the words right out of my mouth, Elliot. Oh. Yeah, give me my words back. <laughs> <laughs> Never. I have, You've got my words, and I've got a special set of skills. Yep. Word skills. Yeah, Dan's going to need you to baby bird those words back into his mouth. Yeah. Oh, guys, how long do you think until someone tries to pitch a thriller movie based on words with friends? <laughs> I think a very long time, Elliot. I don't, oh, I mean, okay. like, I unless you've got a really killer idea that you want to pitch us, but I don't, uh. No, that was it. That was the full idea. Okay. Like, here's the thing people do. Let's do like a thriller based on okay. it. Uh, so, Ian, MaximumFun.org slash donate uh, to support all the podcasts you love. And uh, we should sign off now. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, guys. I'm still Stuart Wellington. In my bathrobe, I'm Elliot Kalen. See ya. Bye. Let's keep with Skype this time around, and like maybe we can try FaceTime as an experiment, experiment next time. Okay. Try it as a spearmint, you guys. As a spearmint. <laughs> well, I'm Jeffy from Family Family Circus. <laughs> right. That actually explains a lot. <laughs> well, re- yeah, it explains why I have dotted lines behind me wherever I go. Mm-hmm. That's little Billy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> Get your Family Circus right, asshole. <laughs> All right, well, I think we have our yeah, like those, for the end those of the two- show. It's like those two ghosts, it wasn't me, and I have no idea. Dan, you know they were not me, and I don't know. All right. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.